Welcome to Brit Happens. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Brit Happens is an interview-based audio show where successful entrepreneurs, professionals, and thought leaders discuss how they've navigated unexpected career curveballs and turned setbacks into wins and stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Our purpose is not just to identify the issues and obstacles, but dive into the thought processes and tactics that can be deployed to overcome challenges all of us face. What's your favorite word? (laughs) Now what you say? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll use our imagination. (laughs) You don't want to hear my favorite word. You have been the people's voice of reason over the years and demonstrated the political will to take on known challenges such as the brain drain, housing affordability, funding for infrastructure, accountability and transparency. Can you share the type of leadership characteristics or qualities that are necessary to take on these challenges? I think you really have to be a person who keep your ear to the grindstone about what's happening in your community. And you have to be committed to making sure that you're carrying the voice of the people and not your own. You know, sometimes I think we lose sight of the agenda and the agenda becomes the individual. And it shouldn't be. I was elected to serve a community. I made commitments to a community. Hi everyone, I am super excited to be joined by today's special Brit Happens guest, who is a walking community treasure chest filled with knowledge, insight, and experience. We have with us today Miami-Dade County Commissioner Barbara Jordan. Welcome, Commissioner. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Thank you, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing great. Better now that I have you here on Brit Happens. Thank you again. You have served in numerous capacities in our county, from a public administrator to assistant county manager, vice chairwoman of the commission, and have a very unique perspective on county government because of your decades of working knowledge. And now you're in your fourth four-year term. How in the world are we going to replace that? Well, hopefully we uh, will do so very successfully in November. Uh, Oliver Gilbert is the person that I am supporting. I think he will come to the commission with some experience after having been the mayor of the city of Miami Gardens. So I'm looking forward to my retirement so I can start my new ventures. Exciting. And speaking of Oliver and, and serving as the mayor, Miami Gardens obviously is part of your district and in my opinion has the highest upside for economic development in the county. And there's also some challenges which include crime. So I wanted to talk about what your vision was for development opportunities due to the strategic location and the commercial infrastructure like the 836 and 27th Avenue corridor. So how can we improve crime that comes with the popularity of that area? You know, I think that if you look throughout the years when the city was formed over 10 years ago, we've come a long way. Uh, Yes, there have been challenges with crime in the beginning. But I think that when you look at how things have turned, the development that has taken place, you would not have had that had not the city incorporated. And I think that when you also look at the fact that we do already have a lot of development, 
We have commercial development going down 27th Avenue. We'll soon be having a hotel that's coming in. There is now a commerce park. And if you look behind the Calder racetrack, mm -hmm. it is absolutely enormous what that park looks like and the, the various companies that are there. So I think that we've been quite successful, but I think even more so will come along now that the city of Miami Gardens has created a CRA and that will keep their tax dollars here in the city to help with development and redevelopment. I think though, one of the things that we have to be careful about because Miami Gardens is so strategically placed because of the exit off of the turnpike, you know, and coming down 27th Avenue in the exit of I-95, it is centrally located. And when you think about the access that companies would like to have, I'm very much afraid of the fact that companies will come in and basically put other companies out because of how it's located. Uh, the Opportunity Zone is an excellent opportunity for larger companies to come in and buy large parcels and dislocate local residents. So I think we have to be very careful and make sure we pay attention to all development that comes into the area. Right. And like you said, ensure that there's reinvestment and redevelopment with the local community. Right. Right. I would like to say that the chief that we have now, Chief Pratt, she is doing a wonderful job. And we instituted something when I, early on in, in during my uh, commission, um, because this is my 16th year as a commissioner. But early on, we created, along with Wayne Rollins, the walking one-stops, where we would walk throughout the community and go into those communities that are more depressed and basically identify social issues and address those collectively. And I think it's helped tremendously. And also with the police force, um, they also implemented the shot spotter so that whenever something happens in the community, if a shot is fired, nobody has to, even though they should call in, the police know right away where that shot came from because of the shot spotter. So I think the city of Miami Gardens and the police department have really been concentrating on crime and trying to bring it down. And they've been pretty successful. You mentioned, which is crucial, the strategic location, which brings me to my next point, the transportation and smart plan. How are you planning to better transport the existing community as well as entice the growing continuum of the district? You know, Miami Gardens, North Day was left out over 40 years ago when they did the rail coming down to 79th Street, the Metro Rail. It stopped at 79th Street. And if you notice, if you travel down 27th Avenue, you see a little lip hanging off 79th Street. And that little lip was supposed to come all the way down 27th Avenue to County Land Road. However, what happened, it made a turn and went to Hialeah because of politics. And we have been fighting for over 40 years now to get that North Corridor back on track. And I think we're getting closer and closer and closer. As a matter of fact, there should be an item coming on the agenda, hopefully by June, no later than July, that uh, puts out an RFP for various entities to compete and say, what type of guideway would we like to have? What type of technology? what we like to have, what we like to have heavy, heavy rail, monorail, light rail, whatever we can do in order to make sure that we bring that corridor down 27th Avenue. They will have an opportunity to respond to that RFP 
and propose the type of uh, transportation that would be needed in order for us to be successful. And of course, we're insisting that it be elevated, an elevated line. So we're getting closer and closer, but I don't, I don't really count it as success until I see it happen. Okay. Until I see some dirt, <laughs> some dirt being turned. Right, right. We need to break around and do the picture with the shuttle. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because we've been at near spots quite a couple of times, but every time, you know, something else happens. Uh, when we were supposed to go, I'd say about 15 years ago, we had the resources, we had the line, we had identified the properties, and then all of a sudden, politics got in the way. Okay, let's just add East-West Corridor to it. Now, we had one point over a billion dollars already allocated. And if you're going to add another line to it, you can't pay for both. So we lost the money. We lost the money. And it really became a challenge over the years to get it back into focus. But we're almost there. Almost, like you said. Almost. Got to see it to believe it. Yeah. But I have a good feeling. Absolutely. But we're going to keep fighting for it. You have, in addition to the location, some of the county's premier event in your district at Hard Rock Stadium. Of course, the Dolphins and the Hurricane Games, the Miami Open. We have the Super Bowl concerts and the list goes on, Jazz in the Garden, and now the controversial Formula One racing. So these are huge, not only local attractions, but national spotlight. How can these events be better leveraged to increase the property values and quality of life for the residents of District 1? I think that over time, we have to build the kind of relationship, particularly with the Dolphin Stadium and the events that they have, so that they recognize that there is also a community living here and pay attention to the fact that there are certain things that the community needs. Jazz in the Gardens has been extremely helpful to get the city of Miami Gardens on the map. And of course, the games that we play there, it gets the city on the map. However, when you add additional events, we have more than 106 events a year, 106 days, I mean, in terms of events. And when you think about that in terms of your calendar, it is, it's, I don't think any community would be happy having that many events that many days a year. And some of the events like Cirque du Soleil, they stay for two and a half months, but it's still traffic. It's still a traffic issue and it impacts the businesses. And I don't even want to get into Formula One because that, that one gets my pressure up even higher. Because with Formula One, you know, they want to bring an event here that would generate over 195,000 people coming to an event in a three-day weekend. 195,000. You know how many people we have coming to the Super Bowl? Probably about 70,000. 70,000 to the Super Bowl. And you're talking about a three-day event. And you're talking about race cars on the streets. I'm concerned about the noise and air pollution that an event like that would have. And I would challenge the owners of Formula One. I would challenge the owners of the Dolphin Stadium. I would challenge the owners of any business. Put it in your community. See if you want that event in your community. Would you want it running in front of your home? Because we are a bedroom community. And if you want it in front of your home, then we will gladly give it to you because we don't want it here in the city of Miami Gardens. Critical infrastructure is needed for our youth, which includes educational opportunities. 
and you have one of the few HBCUs in the nation in Florida Memorial. Also the executive Opelika Airport and Jackson Health System on your perimeter. So what sort of partnerships are being formulated to build a pipeline of educational and ultimately economic development opportunity? Well, I'm glad you mentioned the HBCU with Florida Memorial University because of the Opelika Airport, which is right next door. And we have partnerships that are being formed. Of course, one of the most famous black pilots in the country is Barrington Irving. And he has experienced aviation, which is right across from the school, the HBCU that he graduated from, Florida Memorial University. So that relationship exists in terms of that partnership. And we are in the process of, in the next year or so, hopefully turning dirt on a facility that's going to be going over on 199th Street called the Car Club. And we will have a hotel there, and we're going to be partnering with Florida Memorial University for the hospitality for that hotel. So as much as we can integrate into whatever we're doing in District 1 uh, with projects that are coming along, we want to make sure that we include uh, Jackson, because we also have the Jackson uh, Medical Center that's located in Miami Gardens. But we also have a property that used to be the maternity hospital for Jackson that's going to be redeveloped. And so that property uh, right now is in the process of going through the approval process so that we can turn it over to an entity so that it can be redeveloped. And hopefully it will add a nice wellness center for the community as well. Yeah, so we're doing some wonderful things out here. A lot of wonderful things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How can the Beacon Council substantially, emphasis on substantially, be more effective <laughs> in assisting in the growth of the development of urban corridors in Miami-Dade County? You know, it's funny you should ask that because I used to be one of their strongest critics um, because I did not see anything that they were doing for the urban core. And I think they get, I think it's about 15% of the surcharge dollars go to them for the urban core. I may have the percentage wrong. It's between eight and 15%. And because they get those resources, we expect it for them to bring businesses, recruit businesses and bring them into the urban core. There were a couple of false starts uh, at Ponciana Park. Nothing ever got off the ground, but Ponciana Park is not the only urban core. Right. You know, if you can't do something in one area, do it in another. And now I must say, since Mr. Finney has been there, I have seen tremendous gains. I have at least three or four projects that have come to my district as a result of the fact that that Beacon Council has, rec has reached out and recruited these business or they've approached it. As a matter of fact, um, there is one going beyond the agenda, was on the, the agenda last week. And each time there's a project on the agenda for my district, I insist that I add that the recruitment be done by Career Source to help make sure that we're getting people who live in the area to also work in those jobs. And the last one, I also added the Carrie Meek Foundation because they also have an, uh, a project in Opelika that they're doing with Opelika and this next project will be in that area. Nice. 
I was going to ask how we can expedite some of these things happening, but it seems like things are already rolling. Oh, they're rolling. They're rolling. We're going to keep them that way. <laughs> you have been the people's voice of reason over the years and demonstrated the political will to take on known challenges such as the brain drain, housing affordability, funding for infrastructure, accountability and transparency, social economic inequality. Can you share, Commissioner Jordan, with someone who's listening or watching the type of leadership characteristics or qualities that are necessary to take on these challenges? You know, I think you really have to be a person who stay, keep your ear to the grindstone about what's happening in your community. And you have to be committed to making sure that you're carrying the voice of the people and not your own. You know, sometimes I think we lose sight of the agenda and the agenda becomes the individual. And it shouldn't be. I was elected and, and to serve a community. I made commitments to a community. And that's why whenever something comes up that impacts the community, I take it back out to the community to hear what they have to say, because they're the ones that elected me to be here and to represent and speak for them, speak as their voice. And I think we forget to do that. Uh, so I would like to make sure and I've, I've seen, you know, other politicians in action as well who fight very hard for their community and their purposes. And I always admire and respect that. My predecessor did that. So I had a good example to follow with Commissioner Betty Ferguson. You know, she fought for the community. As a matter of fact, we would not have single member districts and be able to represent our community had it not been for her and Carrie Meek and, and Xavier Suarez filing a lawsuit in order to create these single member districts. So when you have those kind of examples, you want the next person who come along who's going to represent the community to do even better than you did. Don't truly do what I've done. Find your own niche and do better and make sure that you're bringing home the bacon. Yes, when you pass the baton, I expect this leg to be even faster than the last. Absolutely, absolutely. Commissioner Jordan, this was extremely informative and insightful, but this round, I call it the fire round. So I'm going to ask okay. you, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and you have to blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. Oh God. No, you don't want me to blurt, blurt out the first thing. <laughs> well, I may have to scratch that out. <laughs> well, we'll see. Hopefully these are fine. Okay. All right. Well, we did mention the Carrie Meek International Business Park, which is home to the new Amazon Fulfillment Center. So can you share what was the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you have to understand, you're talking to someone who barely knows how to turn on the button for the computer. I was going to say, you're doing good with this virtual podcast. <laughs> I think you're underestimating. Let me say this. The last thing I got from uh, Amazon were masks that my daughter ordered for me. Right. So, <laughs> you didn't press the button, but that's the last no. thing you received. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, no. 
What would you attempt to do if you knew that you had a 100% chance of succeeding? Every child in this world who doesn't have a place to stay or anything to eat, I'd feed them if I could have the money to do that. I'd feed them and house them. Oh, that's very sweet. Okay. What's your favorite word? <laughs> now, what you say? <laughs> this, is, this is the one where you said I shouldn't blurt out the first thing in my <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll use my, you don't You don't want to hear my favorite word. <laughs> okay, we'll use our imagination. <laughs> what would you tell the younger Barbara 20 years ago? I'd tell the younger Barbara 20 years ago to listen more, to be more patient, and to remember the advice that you got from your mother and your grandparents. You know, sometimes we forget that. And that's what I would tell Barbara 20 years ago, because everything that I have done when I think about it in the long term has been because of how I was raised, because of my mother, my grandmother and my grandfather. And lastly, how can people get in contact with you? You can always reach me at my office, uh, 305-474-3011, or downtown at 305-375-5694. I'm always available through my staff if I'm not there myself. <laughs> and believe me, they do have a voice and they make sure that I am aware of everything that goes on. And I know you touched upon you not being the most tech savvy, but do you know your social media handles? Oh God, no. <laughs> I'll put them in the description box, your Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, because I'm sure your staff has that covered. I'm sure they do. I can't even remember the passwords. I have to call. Now, what is the password today? You know, and the county has started now. They started changing the passwords. You don't do that to a person who's 76 years old. You don't do that. You're like, just when I got it under wraps, you want to change yes, the password. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Commissioner Jordan, again, this was fabulous, insightful, far more entertaining than I even anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Brittany. And I must say, I'm very proud of you. You are such a beautiful young woman. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you are going to become in the future. Because I know it's going to be something very high and important, even more than what you are now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate those encouraging words. But after Corona, I would love to, to catch up face to face. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode. I'll see you next time. Don't forget to visit us at www.brithappens.com.